This episode is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. So, I mean, doesn't get any cheaper than that. Second, there are creation tools that will allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. I'm editing this podcast from a Chromebook using the web, so it's pretty easy to do. Um, If I can do it, you can certainly do it. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more services. So you don't have to go to each individual podcast service and distribute it yourself. It automatically does that for you. So that's pretty awesome. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, I mean, it's a pretty good way to make some money. Um, And then last but not least, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app for iOS or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started or download the app for iOS or Android today. The following episode may contain language that is not suitable for certain listeners. Listener's discretion is advised. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Cells and Circuits podcast. I am your host, Chibeze Anakor, and on this episode, we'll be talking about why the Boomerang channel exists in 2020. Then after that, we'll get into the Ubisoft forward highlights, and after that, We'll be talking Stadia with Stadia Source. And without further ado, let's jump right into it. Alright, so first up, we're going to talk about why the Boomerang channel exists in 2020. So, I'm going to give a history of the Boomerang channel. And before I do that, I should preface this section by saying that I am going to be talking about the U.S. TV channel of Boomerang. I won't be talking about the streaming video app as much, though that does play into a little bit of this section. But that's not the focus here. The focus here is the Boomerang TV channel, and it's the U.S. version, so I won't be talking about any version of Boomerang outside of the U.S. All right, now I've gotten that out of the way, let's get into a brief history of Boomerang. So Boomerang, it started as a block on Cartoon Network shortly after Cartoon Network's launch in 1992, and then it became its own full channel on April 1st of 2000. 
So that was after Cartoon Network had started to branch out into its own original programming from its Hanna-Barbera roots. So now it needed a place to put all of the legacy Hanna-Barbera and Warner Brothers cartoons that it had in its arsenal. So Boomerang, the channel, was born out of that. And for almost a decade and a half, it pretty much remained the same. There would be very little changes in its content, though as the channel grew older and older, it started to add more and more of Cartoon Network's older programming to its lineup. So once Boomerang rebranded in 2015, it started to become more like a second Cartoon Network, airing more modern programming and even airing some original programming, including shows like the new Looney Tunes show from 2015 and Benicula from 2016. And while Boomerang had gotten some new content, it had also started to become a dumping ground for shows that Cartoon Network didn't want anymore, such as shows like Sonic Boom and Garfield and Friends and things like that. So it seems like Boomerang hasn't evolved really as much as we'd like to think it has though i will say that boomerang has started to diversify their content a lot more than they have in the past or in the early 2000s up until the mid 2010s so boomerang has gone through some changes ever since the mid 2010s First being the rebrand, but then also we had the introduction of the Boomerang streaming app, which had actually debuted in 2017. And it was a collaborative effort between the now defunct Turner Broadcasting and Warner Brothers. Nowadays, Boomerang is fully operated and owned by Warner Brothers since AT&T reorganized Warner Media and basically dismantled Turner Broadcasting. So, anyway, back to the channel. So, the Boomerang streaming service had its effects on the channel. All of a sudden... The channel wasn't as much of a priority as the streaming service, and as a result, Boomerang would get less and less content as premier content. It would first be shown on the streaming app, and then months later on television. So you have a network that is starting to become more and more irrelevant as time goes on and not only does the boomerang streaming service deal a blow to the tv channel but also hbo max which recently launched in may of 2020 has also had an impact on boomerang and so you have shows like the recently launched looney tunes cartoons 
premiere as an HBO Max original, which a show like that would have been perfect for Boomerang under different circumstances. But because Warner Media is focusing on streaming now, because that's the primary way that people consume content nowadays, it makes sense that they'd put it on HBO Max. And there are even more shows from Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studios that are in the pipeline for HBO Max. And so it's starting to become more and more apparent that Boomerang is, or the TV channel is becoming more and more irrelevant. And the streaming services, Boomerang and HBO Max, are just the first problems that Boomerang has faced. It's also faced issues in distribution. Specifically, because it's a cable channel, it has to be offered through cable providers here in the U.S., And there are just some cable providers that don't provide Boomerang because it's a channel, Comcast. Just, you know, letting y'all know it's it's a channel. Y'all should carry it since y'all are the biggest cable provider in the U.S. Just, you know, just just throwing that out there. But anyway... Comcast being the biggest cable provider that hasn't provided Boomerang. That's definitely hurt Boomerang's reach in terms of households that it can be broadcast in. But also, it has a lack of a high-definition feed, which some people have said that there actually is a high-definition feed, and some people are saying that there isn't. So... We're not really sure if Boomerang has a high-definition feed or not, so for all intents and purposes, I'm just going to say that it does not have a high-definition feed, and that has made the channel less attractive to certain providers, such as YouTube TV, which I subscribe to. YouTube TV doesn't have Boomerang. And there are so many other providers that just don't have it, whether it's whether they're cable companies or Internet based live TV services. Some of them just don't have Boomerang. And so that's really frustrating for that channel, especially since that channel seems to have a more diverse lineup than the main Cartoon Network. But I don't know if Boomerang is really going to last that much longer as a channel. If Warner Media starts cleaning house of their channels, I wouldn't be surprised if Boomerang is the first channel to go because Boomerang has pretty much already been supplanted by its streaming video service and HBO Max. And who knows, maybe even the streaming service Boomerang may eventually be folded into HBO Max. So where does the Boomerang channel go from here? Well, since Boomerang is now fully owned by Warner Brothers, thanks to the reorganization that I had mentioned earlier, 
I think Warner Brothers could use Boomerang as a alternative to Cartoon Network to try and develop some at least some cartoons for the channel, but with the limited reach that it has, I don't know how effective that would be. Probably not very. And so I would also think that one avenue that Boomerang could go is, well, I mean, it may, or within a few years, I don't know, Boomerang may not even exist as a channel anymore and may just exclusively exist as a streaming app here in the U.S., Because, I mean, honestly, there's not really much of a point to it existing. But I don't know. I also think one route that Warner Brothers could go is to maybe rebrand the channel. Even though I know it just got rebranded in 2015. And maybe rebranding Boomerang would probably not really make much sense. Because rebrands cost money. They cost a lot of money. And it just wouldn't really make sense in an era where streaming is the dominant form of content consumption. To spend all that money to rebrand a channel. But if they were to go the rebranding route, I would probably, or at least for me, maybe because I'm just nostalgic, I would like to see the Kids WB brand come back as a channel. I mean, I think that would make a lot of sense since most of the programming that Boomerang airs nowadays are owned by Warner Brothers, so it would make a lot of sense if Boomerang got rebranded into Kids WB and we saw that brand be revived from the dead. I mean... We're getting G4 back. Like, all of these brands are coming back from the dead. Especially brands from the 90s that were really popular. And, I mean, Warner Brothers is sitting on one right now. Which is Kids WB. So why not bring that back as a modern channel? As a rebranded boomerang, in a sense. I think that would be a cool idea. But... That's just wishful thinking from me. It doesn't really make much sense, but a guy can dream, right? So anyway, what do you think of Boomerang? Do you think that Boomerang still has a future? Do you think that Warner Brothers should just shut down the channel? Do you think that Boomerang should go back to its roots of just only airing legacy cartoons or do you think that they should continue how they are in airing modern but recently ended cartoons or sharing cartoons with Cartoon Network? I want to know what you have to say and so you can let me know on social media or on Discord and we can continue the conversation there. But That's going to do it for this topic. Up next, we'll be getting into the Ubisoft Forward highlights. And then after that, we'll be talking Stadia with Stadia Source. 
The Cells and Circuits podcast will be back after this. Hey, Cells and Circuits listeners. Did you know that we now have a merch store? It's true. In partnership with Bonfire, we've launched the Cells and Circuits shop where you can find t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and more. So hit the link in the show notes to visit the Cells and Circuits shop and start getting your merch today. It really does help out the show. Thanks for your support. And now, back to the show. Alright, and now it's time to get into the Ubisoft Forward highlights. So for those of you who don't know, Ubisoft just recently had its Ubisoft Forward presentation where it had announced a few games that are coming out relatively soon. So I'm going to be talking about the ones that I thought were pretty interesting. So first up, and probably the biggest piece of news, is that Immortals Phoenix Rising, which was formerly known as Gods and Monsters, is coming to the next-gen Xbox series of consoles, Xbox One, PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, Google Stadia, and the PC via Epic Game Store and Uplay on December 3rd, 2020, as of this recording. Now, that's great news, but one thing that happened during the Ubisoft Forward announcement of Immortals Phoenix Rising was that big man in charge of Google Stadia himself, Mr. Phil Harrison, was brought on as a guest for Ubisoft Forward, and he announced that an exclusive demo for Immortals Phoenix Rising is coming to Google Stadia before the launch of the actual game on December 3rd. So I think that's awesome. We're getting the first demo of a AAA game by one of the biggest studios out there, Ubisoft, exclusively on Stadia. So I think that's awesome. It has a potential to draw new players into the platform. And all you really need is a Google account, which if you're listening to this podcast, there's a pretty good chance you already have a Google account. So be on the lookout for Immortals Phoenix Rising. I will definitely be playing it when it comes out. And I will also be playing the demo on Google Stadia. And I encourage you guys to do the same to form your own opinions on the game and not just take what an influencer says at face value. Think for yourself, play the game for yourself, and come to your own conclusions. All right, so next up, we have probably even better news than the Immortals Phoenix Rising announcement for some people, and that is Scott Pilgrim vs. The World Complete Edition is coming to Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, Google Stadia, and the PC in the holiday 2020 season as of this recording. And I have to say, that's really awesome. 
Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, the game, got delisted from all of the gaming stores due to the license expiring. So now that the game and the movie, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, both 10 years old, apparently a deal was struck by Ubisoft to bring the game back. So now we're getting the game back. And there's no word on a physical release of the game. Originally, it was only released digitally. So it's understandable that people would want a physical copy of the game just to kind of prevent any problems with any future delistings because they don't want to have to repeat that whole waiting game again. So yeah, it's understandable, but I think it's awesome that it's coming back and it's coming to more platforms because it was originally on the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3. So now it's coming to Xbox One, PS4, Nintendo Switch, Google Stadia, and the PC. So pretty much everyone's going to get to play it. So that's awesome. I'm definitely looking forward to it and I will definitely be buying that game as well. And so last but not least, we have Riders Republic, and that is coming to the next generation of the Xbox series of consoles, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, PC, and Google Stadia on February 25th, 2021 as of the time of this recording. And Riders Republic, from the trailer that I saw from the Ubisoft Forward event, it looked kind of like a mix of The Crew 2 and Trials Rising, which are both Ubisoft games. So, like, you get to play multiple extreme sports like snowboarding and and biking or BMX and like so many other extreme sports. So if I hadn't played Trials Rising, I wouldn't really have batted an eye to this game, but I enjoyed Trials Rising. So I am definitely looking forward to Riders Republic and I will keep an eye out for that game when it comes out. But yeah, that's pretty much it for this topic. Did you enjoy any of the Ubisoft Forward event? What games are you most excited for? Are you excited for any of the games that I mentioned? Are you excited for any of the games that I didn't mention, like the Prince of Persia remake or Watch Dogs Legion or Rainbow Six Siege? Let me know on social media or on Discord and we can continue the conversation there. But yeah, good job Ubisoft. And now just treat your marginalized employees better. But that's about it for this topic. Up next, we'll be talking Stadia with Stadia Source. The Cells and Circuits podcast will be back in a moment. Are you a small business looking for a financial platform to do business on? Check out Payment, 
the first Black-owned financial platform where you can do things like sending invoices, accepting payments, and more features will be added in the future. If you watch Trigger Warning with Killer Mike on Netflix, you know that money stays within the black community for an average of six hours compared to the days and sometimes weeks that other communities get. So if you want to bring or keep money in the black community, join payment, that's P-E-Y-M-Y-N-T, at the affiliate link in the show notes today. Hello, hello. Welcome to this segment of the Cells and Circuits podcast. I'm your host, Chibeze Anakor, and we have a guest in this episode. So um, he is the video content manager at Stadia Source, and he is also the host of the Stadia Source podcast. Welcome, Avery Krause. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's a, a pleasure to be invited on. <laughs> All right, Avery. I mean, it's no problem. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself. I know that was like the briefest of brief introductions, but... Sure, absolutely. Uh, so I am, I was a Stadia founder and super excited to be a part of the Stadia journey. Uh, when I first saw the, you know, Phil Harrison come out in the white room with all the, the logos flying behind him and talking about all this stuff. Uh, so I have been a Stadia founder from almost day one. I think I maybe placed my pre-order like two weeks in, uh, something like that, and uh, was super hyped for the launch back in November. And uh, my Stadia journey has taken me to be a part of Stadia Source, uh, which is the number one source for Stadia news and reviews on the web. Uh, we are the, the 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 number one website for anything Stadia that doesn't didn't come from Google themselves. Um, I uh, produce uh, the video content for the site. I manage the video content. Content for Stadia Source. Um, so all of the folks that you see when you head out to our YouTube channel, and the first looks and the quick looks and the source feed and the the live streams and all that, I manage that team, um, and I host the weekly podcast. We record uh, Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. British. Uh, most of the team is British, uh, 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 British or Scottish or or, or uh, Irish or thereabouts. Um, I'm right. I'm one of the few Yanks on the team, uh, <laughs> and so we record uh, Thursday evenings, and I host uh, I host the roundtable podcast. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I should probably get on a more regular uh, schedule, but you know, there are some times where it's just like there just aren't that, or there just isn't that much good news um, to <laughs> uh, cover in like yeah. uh, animation or the tech space. Um, and those are both things that I like to cover. Um, so, yeah, we can just uh or we could just jump right into it. Um so um Stadia ever since it's pretty uh rough launch uh in November. Um it's been it hasn't really um gotten or at least on the surface you don't see a lot of like positive reception about it um and could you or i guess 
could you like tell us a little bit more about why that you know could possibly be sure i think stadia has struggled with being the first real new player in a I wouldn't say crowded industry, but in, in a very polarized gaming industry, you are mm-hmm. an Xbox player or a PC player or a PlayStation player. And you probably have a switch on the side like I do, but nobody really is like, yeah. oh, I'm a switch gamer, die hard. You know? uh, right. So if you're in one of the three main camps, then seeing somebody new come onto the scene uh, is a little, is weirdly threatening. It, it doesn't, there's there's nothing that takes away from the enjoyment of playing on a PlayStation just because Stadia exists. There's nothing right. that takes away from enjoying Xbox because Stadia exists. But there's right. something in the mindset, the tribal mindset of uh, of gamers that yeah. new equals bad. Um, yeah. And so, you know, when the Epic Game Store launched, it was, oh, no, this is what we have Steam. Why would we need anything else? And then Epic yeah. was like, well, hey, why don't we just give you free games all the time? And people were like, OK, yeah, I'll take that. Uh, I'll take the free games. So Stadia <laughs> coming out is, is kind of in that same boat. It's a brand new thing. It's a brand new technology that's untested. And let's just be honest, Stadia corporately uh has room to grow if i say that diplomatically in terms <laughs> of uh how they position the system in the market um the amount yeah. of misconception out there about stadia is enormous and that yep. hasn't helped yeah and yeah i think that um as i've said in the podcast previously um i think that like google like one of uh Google's biggest enemies is Google themselves because they've killed so many services like one that was near and dear to my heart Google Allo um like which I used from day 1 until the day that it died um and Inbox and then Hangouts is on its deathbed and uh Google Play Music is on its deathbed as well so like I do think that, you know, Google has to at least do something to, like, kind of curb people's um, hesitance to try the system out um, because of that fear that it may not stick around. Um, What do you think of that? Yeah, I've I've always... I've always been really skeptical of the Google graveyard and I get that it's so fun to say, well, Google just kills everything. And Mm -hmm. the way I look at it is just because, you know, if you move into a new house and you take all of your furniture with you, maybe you leave a couple things behind and then you buy Mm -hmm. some new furniture and it's a bigger house. So you need more stuff. That doesn't mean you burn down the old house. That just means that you've moved on to something new. What a lot of folks don't, seem to get in the Google graveyard is it's real fun to say, oh, they killed these things. Yeah, but if you look at 
Goog 411. I don't know if you remember Goog 411, but you could you could dial 1-800-GOOG-411 and get toll-free directory assistance. This was something that, that was going on in my, when I was in college in the early 2000s. Mm. And you could get toll-free directory assistance. And it was, um, you know, and all you had to do is speak. Yeah, uh, Ricardo's Pizza on 4th Street. And it would go, you said Ricardo's Pizza on 4th Street. Is that correct? And then it would give you the information. And it was amazing because in in 2003 you had to dial 411 and pay for it or you had to pay for it on your cell phone or whatever else so then google 411 is dead it's been dead for 15 years because what they used was the voice detection algorithms that they built from google 411 to develop google now which itself got killed to develop google assistant so it's yep. the same thing with all these things. You know, Allo, I used Allo, I liked Allo, but almost mm-hmm. everything that's in Allo is in messages now. The yep. stickers, the Google Assistant. You don't have yep. the like the big little text. Um, uh, you know, that's God, the one that you don't whisper have. Whisper shout. God, whisper God, shout. You don't have whisper shout. But you've got almost everything else. Um, yep. I I will also say that the one product that I mourn the loss of was Google Reader. I use Google Reader all the flipping time, like constantly every day. I had. 200 feeds in there and i've moved on to feedly since then uh in which i still have like 200 feeds but i miss that one every day but you can see where google news and the new and the feed that that google now and the assistant have led you there so when people are worried about the worried about stadia getting a grave dug in the google graveyard to me that says okay well what are they going to use this tech for because they still built the tech the tech is still there so all that means is now instead of a separate app, maybe it's just in the Google Play Store. You you click Assassin's Creed, you know, Babylon, whatever they come out with in 15 years, and then that you just play it right away. Maybe that's right. where this tech goes. They're not just going to abandon the tech. They've never just abandoned the tech, but they may have moved it to a new house. So I've never been worried about the Google graveyard. Okay. You know, that is a very interesting way of looking at it. That's something that I hadn't considered before. So thank you for sharing that. Um, now I'll look at everything in a much different way um, when it comes to Google. Um, so so enough about like the, the bad stuff um, about Stadia. I want this to focus more on the good. So... Stadia, since its launch in November, it has um, grown into, or more and more into the service that Google had promised at launch. Um, It's not completely there yet, um, but um, there have been a lot of features added, such as wireless uh, play on Android, um, such as... 4K and Chrome. 4K and Chrome. I was going to say that. Uh, you beat me by one second. Um, and then also things like um, like 5 or 4G and 5G play. Um, so all of those things have been added um, ever since launch. So I guess my question is, um, what new features are you looking forward to the most i think to me the things that are going to 
give Stadia a win that it that it needs are features that differentiate it from every other service. At this point, um, you know, gaming on your phone is what it is, but xCloud has that. Yeah. Uh, 4K in Chrome is cool, but if you're already a gamer who's playing on a 4K TV, you've got a Series X or, or you're getting one, you're getting a PS5, whatever, then that's not yeah. going to be super huge important. Yeah. So the things that set Stadia apart are the things that only Stadia can do. So that's why I'm looking forward to things like Crowdplay. Because yeah. to me, Crowdplay is the number one thing that's going to pull Stadia way ahead of everybody else. If you look yeah. at all of the Mortal Kombat tests with Juggernaut and Kareem Jovian and Random yeah. Gamer, um, yeah. the, the, the just the enthusiasm that people showed, it was almost like a spark caught inside of the Stadia community when they were like, this is really kick-ass. I could just click this link and then I'm playing the game with you. This is amazing. And it's, yep. we've known Crowdplay was coming. We knew yep. this was on the docket, but it's always been in the ether. It's at some point, we're going to get a thing they called Crowdplay and they showed it off in you know GDC of last year or whatever else. But then yep. to see it and to see that it works, works. it just totally works you click the link and you're in i played it during juggernaut's live stream his first stream ever um somehow i was uh, fast fingered enough to get one of those mortal Kombat codes um <laughs> and and it was just seamless it was amazing how seamless it was um so when september hits and we get dead by daylight we get super bomberman r online these yeah. games that we know crowdplay is going to be there and then once crowdplay is available we are pretty sure it's going to be in like get packed. It would be a game that would make sense for it. Ember would make yeah. sense for it. Orcs must die would make sense for it. Anything that's really stadia first Baldur's gate, you wave know, break wave break. I um, love for that. I love that game. <laughs> it's, you know, just to be able to click a link and start going is going to be amazing. But yeah. what has to happen with that is, um, well, I was going to say they kind of got to get the YouTube thing figured out, but everybody else that's been doing it's been doing OBS. So I guess it they don't really have to get the YouTube thing figured out But um, for, for self-streaming. Mm -hmm. But once that launches and you've got Stadia Source and, uh, and, and all these people doing crowdplay streams, that's going to make Stadia just tear off. Because especially when, when it's not Stadia Source or Cells or any of the other people who deal with technology or deal with game, but it's just some random dudes like, well, I can totally play Stadia. Oh, all I have to do is put the YouTube slug in there. What? Why not? Let's give this a shot. And they've right. got 100,000 people on their channel. And suddenly it's just spreading like crazy because it's something that only Stadia can do. Yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to. Crowd choice kind of goes along with that but twitch yeah. kind of already sort of did that so i'm not like i think crowd choice is gonna be cool um you know particularly with like dead by daylight but yeah the twitch already did that so i'm not super excited about crowd choice but i'm super excited about crowd play yeah i agree um let's see one i guess i can share mine um uh, one feature that i'm really looking forward to that google announced um or of course i'm looking forward to crowd play too um, but if Google can get, um, like actual people playing at 8k 120, um, like that would be amazing. Um, of course, like 8k would have to take off first. Um, but 
but um i mean with 4k being sort of the standard now um it's only a matter of time before 8k um like starts to lower in price especially with the tvs and stuff um and like you have the ps5 and the series x that will be capable of 8k but i don't know if you'll be able to actually play in 8k or if you'll be able to just like do things like watch netflix or or amazon prime or whatever in 8k so like it's a bit iffy there um but i think that um or in addition to crowd play and crowd choice which i will definitely be taking use of um i think uh being able to um play it up to 8k 120 um that would be amazing um especially you know, the first with... game we'll have it will be west of loathing because you know, <laughs> what's 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 there to render we actually did find out from the developers we we uh we keep a, a we have a database of um the resolutions and the frame rates for all the games and they said well you know in early testing it was running at a thousand frames per second but <laughs> since that was kind of overkill we went ahead and locked it at 60 so the <laughs> I, you know, granted, there's nothing to render on that game, but right. the technology's totally there. Yep. I mean, it is. Like, um, I could see, yeah, Wessel of It's like my... a monster boy where it's all just kind of cartoony, you know? It's not yeah. a whole lot, not as much to render there. Yep. Um, like, I could see... I don't know if like Microsoft would be uh, porting uh, Minecraft to Stadia, but that would be me. <laughs> I mean, because it's on PlayStation, a- it's on Switch. 8K HDR ray traced Minecraft, Minecraft on. Um... <laughs> that that would get all the little kids in. Um, but um, especially with things like 5G um, starting to deploy and um, see more adoption, especially in phones like the Samsung Galaxy Note 20 Ultra and things like that. Um, I do think that um, 5G could possibly be the thing that, you know, drives um, thing, cloud gaming forward um, with Stadia and xCloud and GeForce Now uh, for PC gamers. Um, so I guess one other thing that I wanted to ask was, um, where, or I guess, I just had the question in my head. Right there. So uh, I'll, I'll give you a sec to think about it and I'll, I'll comment on something you just said with, um, it, it's a phrase that um, I'm sure people are getting tired of hearing on on our podcast. A rising tide lifts all boats. Um, ultimately, the better Stadia gets, the more that's going to push xCloud. The better xCloud gets, the more that's going to push GeForce Now. The more yeah. GeForce Now does, the more that's going to push Shadow. The better Shadow does, the more it's going to push Stadia. And competition is not a bad thing. If it had literally just been Sony and Microsoft, then Xbox not appearing on the scene would not have pushed Sony to make PS1, which is great, into PS2, which was better. 
if if you know microsoft hadn't pushed real hard and you know (laughs) i I don't know if you can call the you know if the wii hadn't come on the scene that would not have it would have allowed sony and microsoft to just become a little bit more complacent when they think no we have to make a better console because they've done this crazy thing with the sticks and we've got to do better so i'm i people we get a lot uh, sentences you end up with the same thing right now the microsoft sony pc war has replicated itself in stadia x cloud geforce now and shadow is what shadow is but it's it's replicated itself there and what folks don't always click into is playstation 4 is as good as it is because xbox 360 came about earlier and pushed them to develop a better playstation xbox one x is where it is now because the ps4 came out and pushed them i'm sure i'm getting the timelines wrong but stadia is only going to push xcloud to be better and then xcloud is only going to push stadia to be better so folks shouldn't you don't and the other thing is you don't have to pick a side if you if you decide you want stadia you go to stadia.google.com and now you have stadia you didn't have to go to GameSpot or amazon or game or whatever and pay $400 for a plastic box under the TV. Yep. I, I, I don't get it. Just have Stadia. You want Stadia? Here, free Stadia. Enjoy. Everybody just has it. Y'all have it now. Unless, exactly. you, as long as you live in one of the supported countries. Yep. Sorry, Brazil. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing that I do see a lot of on the uh, Stadia comments section. It's like, come to Brazil, come to India. Um, and so that's Another thing that, like, I did want to talk about, um, like, do you think that, um, or do you think that Stadia, um, or between Stadia uh, and xCloud, um, like, because Google and Microsoft both being the big giant tech companies that they are, um, they're definitely going to be like racing to get to um countries in like un or that are underdeveloped such as like um african countries such as the middle east such as certain areas in latin america um so like how or i guess how important um do you think that um, both Google and Microsoft see, um, you know, the accessibility on a worldwide stage for for Stadia and xCloud? I mean, it has to happen. You there, there are, you know, billion plus, couple billion people in India. They have to be there. They'll have yeah. to be in Brazil. Brazil, ninety percent of people in Brazil play games on their phones. Um, yeah. You you have to. Uh, you know, South Korea is another place I believe they're not that has a huge culture of gaming and super huge high speed internet access for everyone. So it's it, they have to be there. I think what what folks uh, maybe haven't clicked into in that, and and it took me a while to click into that as well, is we we Stadia works so well 
And yeah. it does what it does so well that we forget yeah. that the backbone of that is massive data centers, centers. connected by tremendously high-speed internet with yeah. a supporting network of edge nodes and point of presence across these countries. So yeah. part of the reason it's not in Brazil or it's not in uh, you know Indonesia or it's not in wherever is because Google doesn't have the infrastructure there. So the 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 challenge then being Google's got to build out the infrastructure. I guarantee you there are backhoes clearing fields right now for Google data centers in all of the countries that we don't have. I guarantee yeah. it. But yeah. Until those are built, you can't have Stadia. Stadia is not going to be good. It needs you to be 100 miles or less from your nearest edge node. Uh, yeah. or, you know, I've just made that number up. So, but in Google's mind, those data centers are not just Stadia. Those, da those data centers are Google Cloud. They're yeah. Google Big Data, BigQuery, all of the yeah. Google Cloud services, the G Suite and the whole nine yards. So, yeah. st so Google has a massive incentive to build out in those countries because what they are building is not just the infrastructure for Stadia, but the infrastructure for all of those government contracts they can't have right now and all of those mega corporate contracts they can't have right now for the tech firms and the growing industries and all those kind of things. India has a massively growing tech boom right now. South yeah. Korea is a hub for tech in the in Asia. Um, yeah. You know, Brazil is a hub for tech in, the, in, in, in Latin America and South America. So it has to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's gonna happen, but yeah. it just takes time. And what I right. don't want to see is um, there are enough people who don't think Stadia works now, despite having never tried it at all, but they heard that their cousin had a friend whose ex-girlfriend once tried Stadia and it didn't work, which is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. So what I don't want to have happen is they're like, and it's now available in Brazil. And however many million Brazilians go, no, it's not. It sucks. And then that just sinks that ship before it's even launched. Yeah, um, I think that's a good point because, like, or like we were saying earlier, like, um, like, uh, <laughs> um, sorry, forgive me, I'm having a lot of brain farts now um, when I need my brain the most. Um, so, like we were saying earlier, um, like there have been like con or constant misconceptions about Stadia. And um, it's usually because, you know, people either haven't tried it yet or people just, or people's internet just can't keep up or um, things like that. But um, I do think that um, with, with um, Google having that incentive to build out um, uh, data centers in places like India, um, because I believe they invested some money in like um, one of the big telecommunications companies over there. So um, yeah, Google has a vested interest in um, expanding the countries like India and um, Brazil and South Korea and things like that. And they also have like all of the G Suite services there, so, um, so that would be a huge advantage that Google has that, um, like a company like Microsoft may not. Um, and and, and, and once Google's backhoes start going and clearing the land, 
Microsoft's going to do it. Amazon's going to do it. There's yep. it's it's they're just going to lead each other. They're they're going to follow each other the money. There's money on the table and yep. there are contracts being signed that we will never know about to yep. get that money. That's yep. if anybody thinks for one second that Google and Microsoft and Amazon are like, you know, it'd be really nice as if we just gave everybody gaming and just made gaming work. No. no, they want money. money. They have shareholders that want money. So yeah. they're gonna, they're, there's a billion people in India who will help give them money. They're gonna get there. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think um, one area that um, Google um, would need to um, expand um, in a really big way is the way that Microsoft has in recent years by acquiring studios um, for first party games because um, they saw what was happening on the PlayStation side and decided to buy uh, studios like Obsidian, Ninja Theory, right. um, like, you know, all all of those studios that they've bought in the past few years so do you see google taking a similar approach in order to build out uh stadia's first party library i think they will and i would be really surprised if we made it to this point next year without another studio acquisition but i think there's if if i had to to conjecture um, mm -hmm. I, I think there's, there's a lot of runway ahead of Stadia and they're not quite far enough into it to mm -hmm. really start putting that cash down. But Google mm -hmm. has been a buyer of companies since day one. Like they, yep. they bought Fitbit, they bought for a time, they bought Motorola and then they just gave it right back up again. Yep. Um, so they'll, you know, they bought Android. Android was not theirs and they bought yeah. it and then it became theirs. They bought YouTube. YouTube was not theirs. So yeah. it's it's only a matter of time. The I think what we're beginning to see are these partnerships, like with Supermassive Games and Harmonix, um, yeah. Splash Damage. And yeah. those second party partnerships where we're going to pay you to make the game. You stay your own company, but it's our check. So it's our game. I think we're going to see yeah. that a lot more and more and more. We know of four so far. We know of, mm -hmm. of um, well, five if you count Robot with Orcs Must Die. But yeah. we know we know five. So, you know, Robot Entertainment, Splash Damage, Supermassive, Harmonix, and the other one whose name always escapes me every time I try to think of the three that they just announced. Um, but anyways, yeah. Go Google it. It's Google. Google knows a thing. Uh, <laughs> um, so... I think we're going to see more of those, but I mean, they bought that Typhoon Studios that made Journey yeah. to Savage Planet, um, yeah. even though that game is still not out on Stadia, and it's been like seven, eight, nine months. So come on, yeah. guys! Um, <laughs> but I think we will see more purchases. I just don't think we're going to see a lot this year. Maybe by the end of the year, they might announce one or more. But I mean, Microsoft owns what fifteen or twenty separate studios. Sony Computer Entertainment owns fifteen or twenty separate separate studios, and they bought them over the course of like eight nine ten years so i think stadia will do that but i also think stadia has got to make their own mark first it's yeah. one thing to have outcasters and orcs must die out there it's a whole nother thing for um 
Jade Raymond and Shannon Studstill to come out with their own game. That is the yeah. Stadia Games and Entertainment first party, 100% our title title. And we're not going to see that before maybe into next year. I'd be surprised if it didn't come until 2020. I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't come until 2022. Um, and then once they say, it's almost like, yeah, we could pay other people, but we can do it ourselves. Watch what we can do. And then when they do show what they can do, then they'll just start cutting checks. And I've, I've said it before. There are, there are meetings that we will never be a part of, but I guarantee you there are contracts in red line right now with studios out there to buy them. There are guarantee it. There are contracts in red lines right now. And however long that takes, I mean, they announced the Fitbit acquisition last summer and they still, it's not Fitbit by Google. It's, you know, it's still, you know, so those things take a lot, a lot, a lot of time. Right, because of all the regulatory, um, like, um, stuff Antitrust that they Antitrust and, yeah. Yep, I think, I think games will be slightly less, because, I mean, there's, I don't, I, I'm sure Steam has a account somewhere, but there's probably, like, a couple of thousand developers on Steam across yeah. their, however, 36,000 games. So, if Google starts buying these two-person, three-person studios, studios, you know, if they mm-hmm. buy you know, Eric Barone out of, um, uh, of Stardew Valley, then, you know, they're not gonna, nobody's gonna mm, fight them not. on that. Yeah. Um, but you know, if they're like, we'll just buy Ubisoft, that yeah, might that, that raise might. some flags, but yeah. there are plenty of, you know, the folks behind Ember, the folks behind Get Packed, the folks behind who would probably just be like, yeah, we'll take that. Yes, yes, we'll take those millions of dollars. Please let us be Google. I'll take a Google employee badge. Let's do it. You know. <laughs> yeah, I. And there was something that I read like once uh, Guilt came out at uh, the Stadia launch that um, led me to believe that you know Tequila Works, the developers, may become part of Google because um, um, he said that. Stadia launch like was the smoothest launch that you know they ever had so I think that like a further integration between Google and Tequila Works would probably well work <laughs> um I'd be surprised if Coatsync and uh Funktronic Labs and these these folks who have come out with these like first on Stadia games I'd be real surprised if those conversations weren't happening like yeah. as a part of the contract like if you sell x units then we will op- we will put in an exploratory whatever I'd be real surprised if some of those developers um if those conversations weren't already happening I'd be real surprised yeah um I agree and do you think that, um, or I guess one other thing um, is that um, over on the console side, you have like PlayStation and Nintendo um, being Japanese companies. Um, you know, they've been really uh, performing well in their home country, um, whereas with Microsoft, like they've struggled, um, in Japan, um, and they've struggled at least, um, within the earlier Xbox days, um, probably up until like maybe the early 
2010s or so um, to get Japanese games on the platform. And right now, uh, with Stadia, you don't really see all that many Japanese games on the platform. Um, And so do you think that um, we could get to start seeing like more uh, JRPGs and and things like that um, on Stadia. Well, well, right now Stadia is um, not available in Japan. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's probably not doing very well there, if I had to guess. Um, <laughs> and that's another one of those kind of infrastructure things. Like they, yeah. That's that is a nation that I'm still surprised they're not in. But I mean, they're also they're not in Australia uh, or New Zealand. Um, uh, so I. Th- it's tough. I think culturally speaking, you if they're not there, they're going to have trouble attracting developers who put a high level of focus on Japan first games. Um, for, you know, I, we're, we're at a point, you know, 10 years ago, things like Japan got it. And then four months later, we got it or, you know, or else. And we're kind of past that sort of, but if you still like, the the switch um the the nintendo directs still have a japanese version and a an american european version where the japanese version usually has a couple two three trailers that the american uh, or you know the english version does not so i st- i think that once stadia gets there which they'll they'll be there at some point then we might start seeing more Japanese-influenced games come about onto the platform. I certainly think JRPGs are underrepresented, um, particularly given, like, JRPGs are a, a category of game where it would work perfectly on your phone. It would work perfectly on a small screen if you have a tablet. Um, You know, the... There's a game that's on Kickstarter right now that I'm I'm sure you're familiar with the Ayudin Chronicle um, game, which is blown out Kickstarter things. I think it's the seventh. I saw today on their Facebook it was the seventh highest uh, gaming Kickstarter ever, um, and it's like 3.3 million at this point or something like that. Um, and it is a takeoff of the Suikoden series uh, from the PlayStation, which were my favorite games of that era. Like Final Fantasy VII, Suikoden 1, Suikoden 2. Like, top three, done. Wow. And I desperately want that game to be on Stadia. I desperately want it. Um, And so far, everything they said is PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, PC, next generation, you know. And so they haven't mentioned it yet, but I'm hoping at some point that, you know, because... Ultimately, everybody's kind of in that, that, oh, next-gen consoles, and then eventually they announce Stadia. And that's for most games right now is, oh, yeah, Sony Flanagan, and then a few months later, oh, yeah, it's, it's coming out Stadia. Yeah, it's, it's coming. It'll, it'll be there. So I'm hoping we get there. But yeah. I, I agree. There's, there are some genres like that that are, that are certainly missing. We got, we're very shooter-heavy. Um, we're kind of sports-heavy-ish, if you Ish. throw racing in with that. Um, yeah. But we're definitely... RPG light, I guess what Final Fantasy 15 and Assassin's Creed, sort of if you want to call it that. Um, Monster and then Boy. Octopath, Monster Boy, Monster Boy. And that's yeah. it. Like Octopath is the only true JRPG we have. Um, yep. I don't. So yeah, it's it's definitely a category that we're kind of light on. But even then, they're not. There's not a whole lot of those being released anymore. So it'd be ports. 
but there yeah. have been plenty like Square Enix guys. There have been plenty of your games that if you're watching, I'm sure you are. There have been yeah. plenty of your games that you have re-released on everything from Game Boys to toasters. So give me Chrono Trigger, give me Secret <laughs> of Mana, give me Final Fantasies one through a thousand. I'll take them all, <laughs> put them on Stadia, make it happen. Give me Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> like. Cause... Kingdom Hearts X plus four equals the quadrant of C <laughs> by dreams. Uh, I think is the latest version of there. Don't forget X Kingdom Hearts X squared plus Y squared equals Z squared <laughs> featuring Pythagoras. God. So, God, those yeah. names are freaking. It's confusing. a lot. It's a lot. Um, so let's see. Um, we've talked about um, the misconceptions. We talked about what um you know i i will to, to kind of go back to the misconceptions for just a second i know we were we've been moving toward the positive but yeah one of the things that bothers me the most on the misconceptions front is just that people haven't tried it themselves i think yeah. the number of folks that i see post in the stadia subreddit or you know if you search stadia on twitter that just say actually i tried it and it kind of works for me like it's that's all it takes is just try it. But Stadia yeah. corporately has only recently begun to find its groove on, on clearing those misconceptions. I think in the beginning, I've said this on our podcast too, in the beginning, um, the commercials with the guy that looks like he was from the roots with the hair and the 4k, it's all crazy. Like yeah. that stuff did not help Google. It yeah. didn't help me. 28.17 teraflops and 1.21 gigawatts, Marty. Like none of yeah. that helped them in the beginning. That's and this strange. recently, like of the recent connect where it was like two ways to play, get Stadia Pro and claim the games for free or Stadia and get any game you want, just pay for it. That's the marketing. That's perfect. Two ways to play. And now that they've kind of redirected to that, uh, the other day they posted on their Twitter um, a graphic of like all the games that are on Stadia now available and coming soon, which was amazing because one of the biggest complaints is there are no games on Stadia. Like, no, there really are. And we have all of last year's number one games except for Sekiro, which we'll have shortly, um, yep. other than and uh, Modern Warfare. Those are the only two of last year's top 10 games that weren't platform exclusives that we don't have. Like, that kind of communication needs to grow more and more and more. And I think as as the better of a job Stadia does at that makes for a better job for you and I to tell folks, no, it's it's really cool. There's really some, no, you don't have to pay for it first. You don't have to subscribe to Pro. You can just buy the game you want. Hey, that game right now is on sale for half off. You don't even have to pay full price for it. You know, like getting people past that step. The other one that really gets me, there was a Twitter thread on this the other day. Um, I'm trying my hardest to stay out of Twitter beefs about Stadia. Um, and I'm failing <sighs> miserably at that, but I'm Me trying too. real hard. Me too. Um, was, well, you have to buy the games you already own. I'm like, no, you, you don't. If you own them, you don't have to buy them. Don't buy them again. You already, why right. would you come over here and give them 60? If you want to, you totally can. I own a couple of things on Switch and Stadia because yeah. I wanted them on both. Super Hot's amazing, and I got it on both. So, uh, Octopath Traveler. So, but if you sold your PlayStation and bought an Xbox and you wanted to play Borderlands, which you bought on your PlayStation, you'd have to buy it again buy on it your again. Xbox. Right. Yep. Like, yes, you or 
hey, I already played it once. I don't need to play it again. I'll play something else that I haven't played and buy that. That's That one really gets under my skin, um, as you can probably tell. Because I'm like, <laughs> you don't buy anything again unless you want to. It's a voluntary choice. But it's right. the exact same choice you'd make as if you sold your Switch and you wanted to move to a desktop uh, or you sold your PC and now you bought a PlayStation. It's the exact same choice you'd have to make there. And if you feel like you already got your money's worth out of it on Steam or on Epic or on PlayStation or on Xbox... Don't buy it again on Stadia unless you want to, you want unless to. you decided, hey, you know what? Uh, I never had a 4K device before. Now I can play Borderlands in 4K. I'm going to buy it again. Cool. Do that. But right. that one uh, gets me. Gets me. Yeah. Because, um, or like, I would buy um, Samurai Jack Battle Through Time. Um I just released yesterday. I'm playing it on Xbox now, but I would buy it a second time if it got a Stadia port. And I told Adult Swim Games this. Um, so, so yeah. Um, yeah, you don't have to buy the games um, again if you don't want to. Um, and um, let's just go ahead and, um, I guess, use this final... Um, piece of our interview to just like let people or just set the record straight um, with Stadia and try and clear up um, any misconceptions that um, they may have. Um, it, it, it's as simple as this. Play the games you want anywhere you want. Buy it or subscribe to Pro. If you subscribe to Pro, you get discounts, you get better tech, and you get free games to claim. If not, simply hit the buy button and play instantly within seconds. Yep. It's that simple. There's no box under your TV. There's no plastic in the landfill. There's no wasted time of anything. You do have to have a competent internet connection and you got to have a screen to play it on. Sometimes your router or your modem might not be great for that. If that's the case, that's why they make PlayStation and Xbox and PC. Sometimes your internet might not be great enough for that. And if that's the case, that's why they make downloadable or offline games on other platforms. But if Stadia the Tech works for you, Enjoy it, play it, and have fun. And by the way, if Stadia doesn't work for you, xCloud is not going to work for you, GeForce Now is not going to work for you, and Shadow are not going to work for you because it all relies on the exact same tech, and Stadia does it better than any of them. It's that simple. I think you pretty or I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, well, thank you, Avery. Um, if... Or, and just one last thing, like, where can people find you all across the interwebs? Absolutely. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at BaltinNerdist, B-A-L-T-I-N-E-R-D-I-S-T, BaltinNerdist. Um, you can follow Stadia Source at Stadia Source. We are your number one source for Stadia news and reviews. Check out the Stadia Source Roundtable podcast. It records live on Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, 10 p.m. British. Um, and I host that. Uh, we have amazing guests on all the time, uh, so you'll be able to see fantastic folks. Um, and we'll we'll have to have you on uh, as well one of, these, uh, one of these days if that's an available time for you. Um, absolutely um, I would love to um, yep and you can check out all of our news and reviews at stadiasource.com 
Hey, Cells and Circuits listeners, it's Future Chibeze here, just letting you know that Avery's Twitter username has changed since the recording of this segment of the episode. His current Twitter username is at CharmCityA, and you know how we do it here. I will, of course, have a link in the show notes to his current Twitter account. He's a cool guy, so I hope you'll check him out. And now... Back to the show. Awesome. Thank you so much, Avery, for joining. I really appreciate it. Um, I will, of course, have the links to everything he just mentioned in the show notes right below that subscribe or follow button, depending on which platform. Hit those buttons. Do it right now. (laughs) See that little thumbs up right here that says you like this? Hit it. Do that. Do it right now. No, no, no. We'll wait. Did you do it? Great. Fantastic. Did you hit the subscribe button? You forgot? No problem. We'll wait. Great. Thank you so much. Hit both those buttons for this guy right here. (laughs) Thank you so much, Avery. You're an amazing guest. Um, I would love to have you on anytime. Just let me know. Um, Absolutely. All right. And that's going to do it for, for this segment. And we'll be right back. Sandra Bland, Terrence Crutcher, Trayvon Martin, Philando Castile, Mike Brown, Alton Sterling, Ahmaud Arbery, Walter Scott, Brianna Taylor, Eric Harris, George Floyd, Tony Robinson, Keith Childress, Romaine Brisbane, Betty Jones, Tamir Rice, Kevin Matthews, Laquan McDonald, Michael Noel, Michael Brown Jr., Roy Nelson, Eric Garner, These are just some of the names of people who have been murdered by police and have gotten either a slap on the wrist or have gotten away with committing such a heinous crime scot-free. If you are an American, or even if you're not an American, you should be outraged by this, as I am. This cannot continue to happen, and it speaks to a very long history of racism and police brutality here in the United States of America, and also in other countries as well. Police brutality is not a U.S. exclusive problem. It's happening around the globe. So, how can you help? stop this well you can go and protest but be very peaceful about it of course and if you don't want to go to the protests that's fine you can also donate to many different charities that are helping with the cause if you can't do that you can also sign petitions to help the cause as well and share those petitions 
And for all of these suggestions that I've made, you can do all of them and encourage your friends and family to do the same. Because staying silent is staying complicit and we cannot stay complicit any longer. This change needs to happen now. And so I just want to leave you with this message. Black lives matter always and forever. All lives cannot matter until black lives matter. Remember that. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cells and Circuits podcast. Remember to wear a mask, wash your hands, and practice social distancing as much as possible. Also, if you want to follow us on social media, I'll have a link in the show notes right below that subscribe or follow button, depending on which platform you're on. And that's it. Our intro and outro music is made by Tiffy3. I'm Chibeze Anakor, signing off.